Open your Bibles, please, to the book of Revelation, chapter 10. We'll read together there in just a moment. Revelation, chapter 10. And um, at the beginning of the service, we voted on the budget. I know some of you have, were, uh, were not at the beginning of the service. In fact, some of you have never seen the beginning of a service here, perhaps. But I'm glad. I just want to mention a word about the budget and, uh, and how we do that, how we, how we meet the ministry responsibilities God gives us. We do that together. You can't do my part, and I can't do your part. We each have a part to play. And we give because the Lord has given to us, and that's how we uh, fulfill the responsibilities he gives to us. I'm praying for 30 more individuals or families to begin tithing, and God will pray that God will use that to help us to make a difference and an impact here locally and to the ends of the earth. And perhaps that'd be you. Uh, and I want to say as well that a week from tomorrow is the start of Vacation Bible School. Next Sunday, I'll pray for all of our teachers. You teachers, uh, in the meantime, take some vitamins, get a vitamin infusion or something, and get some sleep. Hundreds of kids will be here at Bible school. You're welcome to invite neighborhood kids, and some will never know about it unless you invite them, and it's just a great experience. uh, You'll see information about about that in the worship guide. Well, open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 10. I'm going to read there beginning with verse 1, and we'll read through this chapter. Can you stay with me? Let's read through this chapter Uh, The Lord is showing John the Apostle what's going to take place. Let's read there together. Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven, wrapped in a cloud with a rainbow over his head. His face was like the sun, his legs were like pillars of fire, and he held a little scroll opened in his hand. And he put his right foot on the sea, his left on the land, and he called out with a loud voice like a roaring lion. When he cried out, the seven thunders raised their voices. And when the seven thunders spoke, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying, Seal up what the seven thunders said and do not write it down. And then the angel that I had seen standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven. And he swore by the one who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and what is in it, the earth and what is in it, and the sea and what is in it. There will no longer be a delay. But in the days when the seventh angel will blow his trumpet, Then the mystery of God will be completed as he announced to his servants the prophets. Then the voice that I heard from heaven spoke to me again and said, Go take the scroll that lies open in the hand of the angel who's standing on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel and asked him to give me the little scroll. And he said to me, Take and eat it. It will be bitter in your stomach, but it will be sweet as honey in your mouth. Then I took the little scroll from the angel's hand and ate it, and it was as sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I ate it, my stomach became bitter. And they said to me, you must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, languages, and kings. Well, I want to talk with you this morning as we go through this book of the Bible. I want to talk about uh, God's word prevails, and I want you to see a little of what God says is going to transpire and what we can learn from it. And um, recently, Vicki and I played pickleball. I don't know if you've ever, how, how many of you have played Pickleball. Any of you played pickleball? A few? Some of you? All right, great. Uh, it's where you, you get a little paddle and you hit a pickle back and forth. I may, be a little, I may be a little fuzzy on some of the rules there, but it's really just a ball and you hit back and forth and there's some rules to it. And so we, my son had gotten this for us for Christmas. And so Vicky and I played against my son and his girlfriend, the old guys against the young guys. And actually, the girls were playing uh, pickleball. Uh, my son and I were 
we're in the Super Bowl. That's what we were playing. We are in the Super Bowl. It mattered so deeply. It's like the Hunger Games. You know, who's going to live through this? I mean, it's, we took it really seriously. And sometimes we get over, overly zealous when it's competitive things. We just get a little overly zealous. I don't think probably the girls enjoy that part of it quite as much. And, and I was reminded in my overzealousness, some of you are probably like that. You get a little crazy on competitive things. And I was reminded that there are some things that are big, and we ought to keep those big. And there's some things that are small, and we ought to make those small. And the problem is, of course, we tend to take small things, and we make those big. And just as bad, maybe worse, we take the big things, and we make them really small in life. And the book of Revelation, if it teaches us anything, it is to note what things are big, and what things that last, what things that count. And to keep the big things, let the big things be big in life and let the small things be small in life. There are some things in your life that will not last one moment after the end of your life. Not one moment will they have any significance in any way, but there are some things that will last forever. They will have significance forever, and those are the things that we need to remember. And the Bible is telling us here about things that are going to last, things that matter. So I've got four principles I'd like you to note as we talk about God's Word prevailing. Four things I'd like you to write down on your notes. Number one, see God's might. Did you write that down? See God's might. And verses one and following, let's kind of work our way through as we see a little of the power of God. The Bible says, John said, I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven. Now the word angel, of course, we see angels in the Bible a lot. It is the word messenger. And so some, some have said, well, maybe this is uh, the Lord Jesus himself. And we you know, it's, it's possible because he is certainly a messenger of the Father, but it could be that it's just this mighty angel. Angels aren't just little, in the Bible, they're not portrayed as just little babies or something, but often with great power and great might. And in this case, the Bible says there was another mighty angel coming down from heaven, wrapped in a cloud with a rainbow over his head. Now, the rainbow symbol has been co-opted in our generation, but the, this is a Bible uh, truth. The Bible tells us that the rainbow reminds us of God's judgment. God does judge sin, whether we like it or not. God judges sin and God's mercy in withholding judgment from us when we deserve that. And it's, a good, it's good for us to remember the Bible concept here. The Bible says his face was like the sun, his legs were like pillars of fire, and he held a little scroll opened in his hand. And put his right foot on the sea and his left on the land, and he called out with a loud voice like a roaring lion. And the Bible describes here this mighty angel, and whether it is the Lord or uh, an angel created by, the fa- by, by God, it is, we see something of the greatness of God and his power and his might. In fact, let's skip down to verse 6, where we're reminded, the Bible says he swore by the, by the one who lives forever and ever, that's the nature of God, God who has always been and will always be, who created heaven and what is in it. So when we look into the sky... All that we can see, and if you could think of a, like a telescope that shows us so much more than we can see just with our eyes. And we're always finding more and more of the vastness of our universe. Who created heaven and what is in it, the earth and what is in it, and the sea and what is in it. Well, the Bible's reminding us of the greatness of God, the mighty power of God. And we sort of lose sight of that if we're not careful. And God's, we almost think of God like, maybe like a senile older guy who's not maybe there's a time when he was significant oh god is great and powerful and i i want you to see that so if you maybe you brought with you some baggage here some pain or some hurt or some struggle 
some difficulty, some brokenness, some hurt. God's big enough. Maybe you're not. God's big enough. God can handle that pain that you're feeling, the problems that you're going through. And I'm thankful we have a mighty God, a powerful God, a great God. And every time we see creation, we're reminded of the God who made the heavens and everything in it, made the earth and all that's in it, made the sea and all that's in it. I love nature documentaries. Who wouldn't, of course? And I'll watch these nature documentaries, and they'll often say something about the greatness of the cosmos or the greatness of the earth or the sea. And I'm reminded that this is, there's a God who made them. My God made all of this. It is not that everything came from nothing. That takes a great deal of faith. But that someone made this something. And that God made it with great scope and great detail and great beauty. Because God is mighty and powerful. And I want you to see a little of that. Because maybe you've seen God as, you know, he can, he can handle some things. The Bible describes God, the book of Revelation describes great might of God, and I want you to see him as he is. And then, number two, remember God's presence, or God's promise. God's promise. Verse four says to us, um, he cried out, and the seven thunders raised their voices, and when the seven thunders spoke, I was about to write, John said, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying, seal up what the seven thunders said, and do not write it down. So you can imagine the rolling thunder, and this is seven thunders, so it must have been tremendously powerful and there's some message in this I sort of think here's my speculation on this I think God is just saying this to uh, John he's saying this is, this is just for you John this is just for you don't write this part down I, I mean I'm not telling anyone else in all the world but I'm telling you and I that's my speculation and he's just saying listen I love that God gives a message to the whole world but God gives a message to you in this whole world I mean, I love that God loves everyone, but he loves you in this everyone. And you matter to God. And he knows everything there is to know about you. You have great significance to God. Great value. He created in his image. If you know him as Savior, you're adopted into his family. And sometimes God just, I mean, I'm glad God can make the whole universe. And it's huge. We, the more we the more we discover, the, the more vast we recognize our universe is. I'm glad God can make all the little details. But sometimes in the scope of that, we just think, what, who am I in this, on this giant, all the billions of people on our planet, and all the huge scope of the universe? And yet God cares about you. I think perhaps God was just saying to John, this is just for you. And then notice what the Bible says in verse 5. The angel I'd seen standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven. And he swore, and by the way, I say this because some of you are in the military. When he says he swore, he was making a promise. He was not just swearing. He was not just using swear words. I just said that for your benefit in case you didn't understand the kind of swearing we're talking about here. Verse 6 says, and he swore by the one who lives forever and ever. That is the Lord who created heaven, what's in it, the earth, what's in it, the sea, and what's in it. There'll no longer be a, a delay. But in the days when the seventh angel will blow his trumpet. Now we're seeing, we're seeing, of course, a picture of this. John pointing to what's going to happen. In the days when the seventh angel will blow his trumpet, then the mystery of God will be completed as he announced to his servants, the prophets. He's saying, I've made a promise and I'm going to keep it. 
God always keeps his word. He always keeps his word. God fulfills his promises. Not always in our timing, but he always fulfills his promise. His timing is sometimes different than what we would like. But God is a promise keeper. God keeps his word to us. And what God says is real and true. We can trust his word. And one day we'll see this fully and finally in heaven. And what God says is going to transpire is what's going to transpire. And don't let this delay, as we see delay, keep you from seeing the truth that God is going to keep his word. He keeps his promises. That's what he does. Uh, I, I grew up here, but in, I, we lived in, Vicki and I moved to Texas for seminary years ago when we were, I was in a small town in Texas. I became a student pastor there. And I remember, I remember talking to a businessman, and he was, uh, he'd been fairly successful there in that small town. And he talked about the importance of keeping your word. There was a time when that really, we saw how much that mattered. And he said about someone, he said, that's a guy you can make a handshake deal with. And he meant, it's a great compliment. He meant, when that guy gives his word, he keeps it. I mean, he's not the kind of guy who just says something that he doesn't mean. He's the guy, he's the guy who makes a promise and he keeps it. He was saying, I don't even have to have a, I don't have to have a contract with that guy. Now listen, this, this is a different age. We don't just make a con, we don't just say, all right, I'll do it. I mean, we, we need contracts. But he said, when that guy shakes hands on it, man, he's going to keep his word. Now we, it sounds so odd to us now. I, don't, I doubt they do it in small town Texas now because there have been enough people who haven't kept their word. And so we've had broken promises all of our lives, all around us. But what about the Lord? If we're not careful, we begin to say, well, you know, God's made some promises. But, but when we see the Lord and who he is, we say, that one. Now, I don't know about everyone else, but that guy, he keeps his word. When he says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. When he makes a promise, he keeps his promises. And the Bible is reminding us that, to remember God's promise. And one day, all of this, will, we'll see it fully and we'll see it finally. Number three, note, we are to understand God's word. And I love verses eight and nine. It's kind of important verses. I want us to go there together. The Bible says, Then the voice that I heard from heaven spoke to me again and said, so there's a voice from heaven, it's going to speak to John, and here's the message. Go take the scroll that lies open in the hand of the angel who's standing on the sea and on the land. That mighty angel, he's got that scroll. Go take that scroll. I want you to, I want you to get that scroll. And then verse 9 must have sounded so surprising. There's enough just to approach that giant angel, but then to take the scroll from him. And, here's what, and then the angel speaks in verse 9. <clears throat> so I went to the angel, and I asked him, to give me the little scroll. John was very polite. He asked him to give me the little scroll. And he said to me, take and eat it. I don't think that's what John was expecting. Take and eat it. It will be bitter in your stomach, but it will be sweet as honey in your mouth. So he took the little scroll from the angel's hand, and it was just like God said, sweet, in his, sweet as honey in his mouth, but his stomach became bitter. Let's note a couple things here. First, the Bible's saying, the angel said, I want you to, I want you to feed on this on God's word. I want you to feed on it. I want you to gain nourishment from it. The book, in the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel the prophet was told to do this, uh, to eat the scroll. I, th I think it's a reminder for us that God wants us to feed on his word and that we need that. And there's a strength that comes only through feeding on God's word, taking in God's word. 
If any of you uh, younger guys are trying, maybe you're in a sport and you're trying to gain weight. And by the way, it gets easier as you get older. I'll just tell you that. But maybe you're trying to gain some weight and you, you're going to have to, if you're going to gain weight, you're going to have to eat more. You just got to take more in. You got to eat more if you're going to gain weight. And so you want to bulk up. You want to get bigger. You're, you're going to have to eat. We ought not be surprised. And I'm telling you, many people are, but we ought not be surprised that when we hardly ever spend any time in God's word, that we're like the 97-pound weakling. That we don't have much spiritual strength. That we have difficult, difficulties dealing with the circumstances of our lives. That we have trouble discerning good from bad, right from wrong. Knowing what God wants us to do or not to do. We ought not be surprised. And yet there are many, there are many who name the name of Christ. Who are just not taking in God's word much. And they wonder, why am I so weak? Maybe they haven't even thought about how, maybe they don't even realize how weak they are. But we'll never gain the strength God wants us to have without taking in the feeding on God's word and the nourishment that comes from it. So let me suggest, let me apply this in three ways. I want to suggest three things to you. Three things that will help you to gain this nourishment, the spiritual strength that God wants you to have. Number one is consistent worship. So if you only ate like once every several weeks, there are many people who are very satisfied to worship God on occasion, when it's convenient and when it's not too much trouble. There's something powerful about consistency. It's, just, it's a powerful word. So much of your life will be determined by what you do consistently. And there's a power to consistent worship. We need each other. God benefits, benefits our lives through it. And we will open the Bible together in our services each week. We'll read chapter like we are part of God's word like we did this chapter of the Bible today and we'll learn more about what God says there's a strength that comes from that so that's one area consistent worship number two is a life group a life group so our life groups are small group Bible studies and I want to commend them to you they are uh, we have our adult life groups are just a small groups where you study the Bible together and you can Find a life group that will match you well. We have life groups at all three hours, 8.30, 9.40, or 11. And I want to encourage you to get active in a, in a life group. Now, if you want to, you can go there and be quiet for a while. You don't have to, like, they're not going to embarrass you. I mean, you ought to say your name and maybe try to be, you know, nice or something. That'd be, that'd be okay to do, I think. But you can just learn. And maybe at some point, someone will ask a question that will help you to, a question that you had. Maybe at some point you'll want to ask questions yourself, or maybe someone will help you to learn how to dig in a little bit deeper, or think about, about a passage a little more fully. So I've said consistent worship. In a, in a, and by the way, if, you're, if you have children in a life group, you'll be here two hours, and they will too. If they're a preschooler, they'll be in a preschool class, same lesson, different lesson plan, same theme, different lesson plan each hour. If you have children or teenagers, they'll be in in a worship service and a life group just like you are. Maybe, maybe you figured that out already. And then the third part is your personal Bible reading. It's personal Bible reading. And I want to encourage you to read the Bible each day. We say in our church at least five out of seven days. Like exercise, there's a benefit in doing it regularly. And you can read the Bible for yourself. We have many who are reading, many in our church who are reading the New Testament for the very first time right now. Maybe you've not read yet the New Testament for yourself. It's very doable. You can read, there's 27 books. You can read it in whatever order you wish to. Read through that. Read a couple chapters. Underline things perhaps that speak to you. Do that consistently. 
you'll begin to learn. The, when you've read the New Testament seven or eight or ten or twelve times, eventually you really begin to put it together in a way that you can't otherwise. And then the entire Bible eventually, where you read all that God has to say and learn it and grow. And These things will help you to gain spiritual nourishment. It's not the only part of the Christian life. But it's an it's a important thing. What does God have to say? We hear all the time what the world has to say, easily. What does God have to say? What does God want? How do I know what's good or bad, what's right or wrong? How, I, how do I gain discernment in what I ought to do? How do I know what God's will for me is? And so much of that comes in learning and, and ingesting the nourishment of God's Word. And so we feed on God's Word. And then notice what the Bible says here. I find it fascinating. The angel said, take and eat it. And it's going to be bitter in your stomach, but it will be sweet as honey in your mouth. And I think what the Lord is reminding us here is there are things about God's Word that are so sweet to us. And there are things that are hard for us. There are times when you'll be reading God's Word and you will just say, wow. And there are times you will read God's Word and you'll say, whoa. And we need a little bit of both. We need a little bit of both. I love that the Bible tells me what I like to hear. I love that. And it's sweet. And I love that the Bible tells me what I need to hear. And sometimes it's a little tough. It's a little tough. So God talks in his word often about grace. And in the Bible, he also talks about judgment. And I need both. In God's word, we're reminded that God is love. And that God is holy. There are parts of the Bible that are easy. Easy for us to follow. And easy for us to here. And there are parts of the Bible that are hard and difficult. There are parts of the Bible, maybe this will not surprise you, there are parts of the Bible that are popular. People love that part of the Bible. And there are parts of the Bible that are, will this surprise you, unpopular. Did you know that? That the world will not really like to hear. And that changes all the time, by the way. Every generation changes what they think about good or bad, like or don't like. And so God's word is for us both sweet and bitter, and we need it. We need the parts that we really like, that encourage us, and we need the parts that challenge us. So God sometimes just builds us up through his word, and sometimes he teaches us things that are hard and difficult. Sometimes God just, I mean, it's a love that just affirms, and then sometimes God just convicts and rebukes. And you might not like that part so much, but we need things we sometimes don't like. And when I was a kid, I didn't understand why I had to eat vegetables. Why not just dessert all the time? But I needed both. I needed a little bit of, I needed, a, I needed things I liked, and I needed some things that I didn't especially care for. And so God gives us this because he loves us. So here's one of my responsibilities. This is a responsibility I have. I'm supposed to teach the whole counsel of God. And I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to just commit again to you, I'm going to teach the whole counsel of God. So I'm going to tell you things that you're going to really like and say, oh, man, that's fun, how exciting. It sure feels, I feel good. And then I'll tell you some things in the whole counsel of God that will be kind of hard and that maybe will challenge you. And maybe God's word, I hope it's not me. I hope it'll be God's word, but not me. But God's word, rebuking, correcting, challenging, because God loves you too much not to. And can I just tell you, God does this because he loves you. He doesn't just tell you what you want to hear. 
He tells you what you need to hear because he loves you. Don't you kind of see how, isn't that what a parent ought to do? Like, ought they not, they don't just do what the little child wants. Because sometimes a little child's, can you say this still in America? Sometimes a little child's wrong. <laughs> They're wrong. They don't know what they don't know. And God loves you so much, he tells you the truth. And by the way, your life group teacher, that's, they'll do that as well. They'll teach you the whole counsel of God. The Bible talks about heaven. The Bible talks about hell. God is love. God is holy. God's grace, God's judgment, and we need all of that. It's to our great benefit, and it's going to sometimes be a little bitter for us, and it's going to be sweet, and I'm thankful that God tells us both sides. So I want you to understand God's word. And number four, I want you to proclaim God's truth. So verse 11, let's go to verse 11, where the Bible says, uh, And they said to me, You must prophesy again about many people's nations, languages, and kings. So apparently, the goal was not just for John, for John to know about God's word, but it was also to do something with it. That is, the Bible says we're not just to be hearers of the word, but we're to be doers of the word. God wants us to put into practice his word. And I want, you, I want that for you. I want you to learn God's word. We take it in. We ingest it. We learn what God says, but we're to practice it and live it out. And one part of that is proclamation. Let's note three things about it. Uh, first, proclamation is important. The Bible says here, you must prophesy again. You must. I mean, it's, there's some urgency here. John, this is, if you're going to obey me, you have a job. Not just to know about this, but to prophesy, to tell the truth. You must do this, and you must do it again. Because once is not enough. Over and over, we need to hear the truth and learn the truth and grow in the truth. You must prophesy again. It's important. And then secondly, proclamation is for everyone. You must prophesy again about Many peoples and nations and languages. It reminds us of the Great Commission. Some of the last words of Jesus where he said, make disciples of all nations. Every people of all sorts and backgrounds. It's part of what we do as a church. Our primary responsibility is right here in this region. It's the primary part of our responsibility. Our budget uh, also includes to the ends of the earth. And missions is a part of the budget that we voted on this morning if you were here on time. Some of you have never seen the beginning of a service. It's really, really beautiful. But with that, part of that budget is for the whole, for the nations too, because we know that God has given us a unique responsibility here, but that God wants us to be a part of what he's doing to the ends of the earth. And then notice that proclamation is powerful. The Bible says, you must prophesy again about many peoples and nations and languages and kings. Kings. I thought if you had power or wealth, or position, or fame. You had everything that you needed. You've seen enough of the world to know that's not true, though, haven't you? That there are people who have lots of power, and wealth, and fame, and are miserable because God made us for something more. God has something better for us than that. And so he said, for kings. The most powerful in all the world, the kings. I, here's how I wrote it in my notes. The gospel... It's going to be hard for you to believe, I think. The gospel is bigger than politics. It's bigger than politics. Well, listen, I'm thankful for the opportunity we have in our nation to be involved in the political process. And there are few in the history of our world, very few people who have had the privileges that we sort of take for granted where we can participate in the political process and we can vote and we can have our voices heard and we ought never to take that lightly. I'm not, I'm not saying that 
politics isn't important. Man, it is a great, great privilege. What a great privilege it is for us to participate in the political process. But there's something bigger still. Yeah. Something greater. And this world needs something more than power. It needs the gospel message itself. And so even the kings, even the, those who, who the world would say have everything that we need, because that's, that's what we're chasing. Oh, something bigger. Do you remember when I said, when I talked about pickleball, hitting the pickle back and forth? Do you remember I said that, that the lesson was we need to let the small things be small, and we need to make the big things big. But the danger is we sort of forget that, don't we? And the small things in life just consume us sometimes. The things that won't matter and it won't count. And the big things can seem so insignificant to us that we hardly give them a passing thought. But if you could get a little picture of heaven and the mighty angel and the throne room of God and the things that are going to last for eternity, well, that changes things. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Maybe you're here and you've never trusted Christ as Savior. Could I urge you to give your life to Christ, to repent of your sin, to place your trust in Jesus who died for you and who rose from the grave for you and receive him as your Savior. Trust him as Savior. Give your life to Christ. Christian, when I spoke this morning, for some of you, I suspect the Holy Spirit just convicted you about some things, maybe something about the consistency in the Word or maybe... The Lord is reminding you about making the big things the big things. And really focusing on the things that, that matter and count. And maybe the Lord just urging you, because he loves you, God gives us his word because he cares about us. He tells us the truth because he wants what's best for us. I wonder if you wouldn't say, God, I, I want to make the big things the big things in my life. I'm going to stop making those little small things as though that's all that matters and counts. The things that won't even last for eternity. I want to I make the big things, the eternal things, the things that last. I want to make that big in my life. I want to see the world as you see it. God, I want to know your word, what you say, your perspective. I want to follow your purpose and your plan instead of my own. And God, would you help me to see your word, to love your word, to nourish myself with your word, and to live out your word. And Father, I want to thank you for the truth you teach us, that you love us and you care about us and you tell us the truth. And so I pray you'll use this in our lives, draw us to yourself, make us more of what you want us to be, help us to follow you and grow in our faith and become everything you want us to become. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.